Now, if you don't know who I am, my name's Peter Myers. I'm uh, one of the ordinands training uh, here. I'm actually training down in Bristol, so I'm away quite a lot. Uh, but it is a joy to be able to come and uh, teach this morning. So, second Sunday of Advent, Christmas, two weeks away. How are you doing? What are your hopes for Christmas? What are you looking forward to? I wonder what Christmas means to you personally. Is it Christmas trees? Is this going to work? Yes. Is that what you're looking for, forward to? Is it the presents? Is it the wonderful food? Or is it the nativity story? Or in reality, are you not looking forward to it at all? Because let's be honest, Christmas can be quite a hard time of year for many people. And as I ask those questions, I wonder what emotions are beginning to stir up inside you. Is there excitement? Or is there fear? Anxiety? Is there joy? Or is there nervousness? Or quite frankly, are you exhausted before we've even started? If I asked you what the true meaning of Christmas was, I'm guessing a high proportion of us would all say it was about celebrating the birth of Jesus. And on some level, that's absolutely right. But this morning, I'm keen to try and widen our aperture of thinking and consider what I would suggest is really the true meaning of Christmas, which I hope will stir your hope and realign your hope and dreams for this Christmas. So I'd like us, in the pews, there are um, uh, notes and the reading. And Kit, I'm going to ask Kit to come up and read from 2 Peter chapter 3. as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that a long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, 
and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. And in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, let me put it in there. Thank you, Kit, very much. So what's the context of this? Let's look at what Peter has to tell us and then see uh, how it might apply to us. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, the church has been growing through the work of the Holy Spirit, and the good news is spreading around the known world. They're experiencing some levels of persecution, but that's okay because Jesus said he was coming back, and when he does... Well, the world will witness the final glory on earth, the kingdom on earth. And this is the key. The expectation was that Jesus was going to come back during the lifetime of that first generation of believers. But time is moving on, and he hasn't yet come back. And as a result, people are beginning to wonder what is going on. People are beginning to doubt whether Jesus really is coming home. You can imagine the growing concern and confusion amongst that early church. And this was concern was being fueled by what Peter calls earlier in this letter, false teachers. And so Peter is writing as a warning against these false teachers. And in this section that we've heard this morning, Peter calls those false teachers scoffers. And the essence of what the scoffers are saying is in verse 4. Where is this uh, this promise, they're saying? Everything goes on as if since the beginning of creation. Nothing has changed. The false teachers are effectively saying, look around you. Nothing has changed. Jesus hasn't come back The world order is the same. Israel has still been ruled by the Romans. We're still being persecuted. Where's all the point? What's the point? Where's the change? I don't know if you look around the world that we live in at the moment and wonder the same thing. Nothing's changed. Peter is writing, for want of a better phrase, to steady the ship. And to ensure and to reassure the church. He's encouraging them hold your nerve, remain faithful to the truth. Jesus will return. Peter addresses the audience as dear friends, a term he uses three times in this passage. Another translation would be beloved. There is a soothing, reassuring, loving kindness in his tone. 
And he wants to, as he says in his verse uh, one, stimulate wholesome thinking within the church. He's saying, stop. Don't get caught up with the false teaching. Remember what you've learned. Peter tells his readers not to be surprised by these scoffers. Even Jesus said that false teachers would come. And he points out that these false teachers deliberately forgetting their past in verse 5, which testifies to God's faithfulness and truth and proves that when God says he's going to do something, he does it. And then he gives a number of examples about how he created the world, how he said he would judge the world, and he did through the flood, but save Noah. And he will judge the world once again. But the essence of that passage is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. I wonder if any of you have unfulfilled promises that you're holding from God. I'd like to say to you, hold on to those promises. Petition God in prayer. He will fulfill them. Actually, I tried to look up to see how many promises are fulfilled by the life uh, and ministry of Jesus Christ. And I got a wide variety of answers, spreading from 60 promises to 124. And that was just in terms of Jesus' life, not in terms of the wider story of uh, of God's promises and what he's fulfilled. Peter's point is that if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Therefore, if Jesus is going to said he was going to come back, he will be coming back. So the question is not if Jesus is coming, but why hasn't it yet happened? Well, Peter reminds his readers that God's timing is not our timing in verses 8 and 9. And in fact, he quotes Psalm 90. And in Psalm 90, it's put this way, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by. God in his mercy is being patient with us. It's because of his mercy that Jesus has yet to come back. And he said, Peter reminds us, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And what of this second coming? What will it be like? Well, ultimately, we don't know. But we know it will involve two things. One is that there will be a day of judgment for all of us. The sheep and the goats will be separated, to use the teachings and the terms of uh, Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. But secondly, there will be the glorious fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth. As Peter put it, the new heaven and the new earth in verse 13. Revelations describes it differently. In Revelations 21, it says, God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the old order has passed away. Now, that sounds pretty good to me. No more hunger, no more injustice, no more suffering, no more war, but peace. So when will this new come, uh, return? When will it be? Well, again, Jesus taught very clearly that only the Father knows. 
Jesus said, no one knows, but the hour, the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Peter reminds us in his verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And therefore, the message is very simple. Remain alert and live holy and godly lives, expectant for Jesus' return at any time. But live lives that look forward to the day of the Lord. And Peter uses that phrase three times, look forward. In other versions, it talks about waiting. But in the NIV, in the version we heard, it talks about looking forward. Firstly, it's looking forward to the day of the Lord. Secondly, it's looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. And then it's looking forward, living alert, holy, and godly lives. That is Peter's call to the church as he writes to encourage them. Look forward. That's where your hope is. Do not give up hope. Do not listen to the scoffers. Keep, God keeps his promises, and Jesus is coming again. Now, I have an early Christmas present for you, and that's five Christmas treats, or five teas to remember what Peter is saying, and we'll look at those in a moment. Yes, we can. Brilliant. The first T is that there are teasing teachers. That's what Peter says, that the scoffers, the false teachers, don't be distracted. The second T is think wholesomely. He's encouraging them to remember the truth. Then you've got the third T, which is the track record. He's reminding the church not to forget God's track record through history, the fact that if he says something, he's going to fulfill it. The fourth T is the truth. The truth is Jesus is coming again. And then the fifth T is target Jesus. Peter says, look forward. Look forward to the day of the Lord. Look forward to the new heaven and the new earth and live holy and godly lives. So that's that letter that Peter has been telling us. That's the essence of the message. But what does that mean for us? How does that affect us today? Well, let me go back to that original question at the beginning. What does Christmas mean for you? What is your hope? What's it all about? Well, we said that we're, it's the second Sunday of Advent. And I googled the meaning of Advent and, of course, that great heart of intellectual uh, information, Wikipedia, says this. Advent is a season observed by many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus at Christmas. It's a time of expectation to celebrate the nativity of Jesus at Christmas. Can I suggest that most of us, and certainly the world, generally their focus and the meaning of Christmas stalls right at that point and goes no further. The meaning of Christmas is centered on the birth of Jesus in a stable, in a town called Bethlehem in Judea 2,000 years ago. 
But dear friends, beloved, as Peter put it, the world has witnessed the birth and life of Jesus, and that is a promise fulfilled. That is history, and amen to that. But as St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, a hope seen is no hope at all. Therefore, our hope is being fulfilled, and therefore our hope cannot be rooted in a historical event 2,000 years ago. I don't know if that's a surprise. But let's dig deeper into the meaning of Advent. Actually, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which is the Latin translation of parousia, and parousia is the second coming of Christ. The hope of Christmas takes us right back into the heart of this letter from Peter. The Christmas is about the future, the expectation of Jesus' second coming. Yes, it is about holding on to the hope of, um, sorry, it's about holding on to the hope for the future. We are looking forward to the day of the Lord. We're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. We rightly remember Jesus' birth. Amen. For our hope in the future comes in part by nurturing what we already know. The birth of Jesus, God incarnate. But our hope lies in the future. So let's go back to those five T's and see how those should tie in for us nowadays. There are teasing teachers surrounding us. They're everywhere, aren't they? I think you'd all agree. There are plenty of false teachers and scoffers speaking into our lives. The promises of happiness, success, beautiful fashion, body shapes, flashy cars, all that will bring us a happy life. I had a look to see what some of the Christmas slogans are for us. You can get a perfect Christmas from Tesco's. Christmas is actually cinnamon. That's Schwartz, the, uh, the spice company. Find what you're looking for this Christmas at Sainsbury's. And brighten up your world. That's John Lewis. And my favorite, which applies particularly to, for me, it's less of a Christmas advert, but it speaks very, very closely to me. In my present state... Uh, This advert would tell you that I'm exhausted, I'm not young, I'm boring, I'm a dinosaur, I'm over the hill, and I'm past my best. But if I follow this advert and take what it has for me, I'm going to be in that transition, charming, good-looking, my wife's getting very excited down here, by the way, I'm going to be charming, good-looking, interesting, magnetic, and suave. Yes, Surgical hair restoration. That's what that will happen for me. Interestingly, they didn't say I was old. I was just not young anymore. So those are many of the false messages that are around us. We need to be alert to the scoffers and the false messages. So the second, thinking wholesomely, the second T. What does it mean to think wholesomely for us? Well, I've got two suggestions. The first and primarily is that we keep our thinking rooted in the Scriptures. 
And we test everything against what we know about God. And secondly, that we remember acutely that there are scoffers and false teachers everywhere. And we need to be alert to them. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, calls them, who has bewitched you? He challenges them because the Galatians are going away from what they originally heard and the truth they knew. He says, who has bewitched you? We need to be careful we don't get our thinking uh, bewitched, but we need to fix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus. We all know how difficult it is to be distracted, particularly at Christmas, with presents and food and preparations and organizing the perfect day. But we need to remember that we as a church gather for the hope of the future. And we need to fix our eyes on that. So the third T, track record. Remember this Christmas all that God has done for you and all that he has done for the world And of course, the baby Jesus is the most obvious thing at this Christmas time to remember. That is the testimony, and amen, let's celebrate that. But let's look at the whole testimony of God's track record. And if there is a second coming, or rather there is a second coming, let's hold on to that this Christmas. And the fourth T, the true hope, that is the truth that Jesus is coming Advent is the call to the church to remember and expect the second coming. It's the promise. Let's root our hope this Christmas in that truth. And the fifth and the final T, target Jesus. Looking ahead this Christmas to the second coming, let's remain alert. Let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus and living holy and godly lives so that we may be a light to the world this Christmas and a display of his splendor. It is, as I said earlier, only two weeks until Christmas. For some of us, life is getting really, really busy. I don't need to tell you that you're living it. We all are. There's the end of term nativity plays. There's the decorations to get up. There's the parties. There's the present buying. There's the food shopping. There's the holiday planning. And it goes on and on. For some of us, the coming weeks are very exciting and happy times. For others, it will be a time of fear, pain, loneliness, and financial pressure. Christmas can be a time of enormous joy but it also can be time of great trouble and pain. But the good news this Christmas that I want to open our apertures to and our thinking and for us to think afresh this year is that the truth is Christmas is sitting, waiting, and celebrating for Jesus' return and the fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth, the new heaven and the new earth. So this Christmas, let's get ready by fixing our hope into the right things. Let us get ready and look forward to the day of the Lord, remembering the teasing teachers, keeping our thinking wholesome, remembering the track record, remembering the true hope in Jesus, and targeting Jesus in our thinking, in our actions. 
and perhaps coming tonight to celebrate with the church in the wonderful uh, carols by candlelight this evening, where so much of the focus is on the story of Jesus' birth. But through that, remembering that the light of the world shines brightly and he is coming again. So that's where our hope, I hope, for you will be centered on and less so the piece of history, which amen to that, and that is a glorious and wonderful thing. But let us not forget that actually our hope is in the future and not in the past. So that moment, I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come up and encourage you to stand. Let me pray. I'm going to ask the, the... prayer team to come forward as well. The prayer team are going to be either side of the stage. And if you would love someone to pray with you because of this time, just to pray with you about this time of the year, whether that's about directly realigning your hopes or whether because already the anxiety and the exhaustion of Christmas is beginning to take over and you want to reset your thinking and your hopes, it is a glorious time of year. And I want all of us to be able to uh, stand and enjoy and be a part of that hope of this year. So the prayer teams are going to be there. Please come and take advantage. Come and allow us to stand with you wherever you are in the journey. So let me pray as we go into a time of worship. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the focus of this time of year. We thank you for the joy of the world. We thank you that you are the bright light of the world. We thank you for the hope of the future, that there is a new heaven and a new earth. There is a day of the Lord that we can stand expectant and hopeful for, whatever our circumstances. And Lord, I thank you that we in hope can fix our eyes on you. Amen.